Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. Good to be with you, dear family. It is Thursday, August 8th, and you know where I am. I am not in Tulsa. I am on the East Coast with the whole worldwide family of LifeSite News and on the Station of, of the Cross through our magnificent technology. So still we're coming to you uh, by and through the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News, um, but I'm physically uh, with the whole... Uh, staff and family of LifeSite News on the East Coast, which means I'm not in Tulsa, which means I have pre-recorded this program uh, today for you, and um, uh, which means you can't call in for uh, your calls or your text uh, or emails to be answered today um, because it's all pre-recorded, but it is special for you. It's live-streamed. It's a full program. It just doesn't, uh, you just won't be able to call in during the program. And I came across an article, a recent article that I want to read to you. And it's it's a news article. And you know my heart, some of you do, for the family, that I believe the family is God's design to build his kingdom. Number one design, not two. Number one, without the family, there's no vocations. Without the family, there is no church. There is no society. The family is the cell of civil society. Uh, And so um, I believe that it's God's number one design to build his kingdom, and therefore the enemy's number one target to destroy. All this business about homosexuality, same-sex marriage, all of that, it's simply a plot to destroy the family, beloved. And it's a plot that has been planted in the church well over 100 years ago, and we're seeing the fruition of it today. It's the plot to destroy the family, to destroy the kingdom of God, to destroy God's design. Um, And so I was very interested and since our divorce rates and all of that equal the world's, um, I was very interested to see this article. Let me see. I don't have a date for it. I'd have to go back. It was an article that appeared. Actually, uh, I have the URL in the Na- National Catholic Register. Um, and it looks like it appeared two years ago, a little, maybe two and a half years ago. This is amazing. And I hadn't seen it before. And it's titled, The Only Divorce-Free City in the World. Now, two and a half years later, I certainly hope that's still the case. The only divorce-free city in the world. You say, what on earth is that? Where on earth is that? That's what I wanted to know. And so I'm going to read this article, and it's going to tell you. It says, the family is one of the institutions most affected by the crisis in our decadent times. Now, of course, it's one of the institutions most affected. It is the institution most targeted, subtly or unsubtly, directly or indirectly. The end is to destroy the family. 
And the article goes on to say, religious and moral sentiments have practically disappeared as if torn to bits. The divorce rate is overwhelming. An estimated 50% of marriages fall apart. Added to this, there are illicit unions, which are common and seemingly without consequences. Well, without consequences in our society, but they certainly have eternal consequences for the soul. Um, And that is why the article says it does so much good to hear a lo and behold, that despite the malice of the times, there is a city in this world that has not surrendered to universal depravity and in which family bonds are so strong that there is no record of divorce. Does this seem like Twilight Zone? I want to get on a plane and pack my bags and go there. This is amazing. This privileged city, here it is, drum roll. This privileged city is, I can't pronounce it, Siroki Bregage. It's spelled S-I-R-O-K-I hyphen B for boy, R-I-J-E-G. It is located in Bosnia, in Bosnia. It's approximately 26 thousand inhabitants of Croatian origin have always been ready to defend their Catholic faith, even in the face of worst adversities. Listen to this, beloved. This is like a fairy tale of what life was um, 20 generations ago. This is amazing. This is what happened, for example, during the Muslim invasion centuries ago, Then the country fell under the boot of atheist communism when the faith was tested in every possible way. Why is there no divorce, beloved? Because they haven't been under trial. On the contrary, on the contrary, their terrible trials and persecutions have strengthened their faith and kept them faithful. The article goes on to say, reports from several trusted Catholic sites say that this city in Bosnia, Siroki Brijeg, I know I'm mispronouncing it, is remarkable. For in the collective memory of all, there has never been a single divorce among the Croatian Catholics of the city. What is the explanation for such a remarkable fact? First, it says, consistent with its profound Croatian tradition, The population of this city is almost 100% Catholic, and they live their faith very seriously. They consider it a point of honor to defend the indissolubility of marriage and the monogamous family formed by the union of a man and a woman, as stated in the country's constitution, with the blessings of Holy Mother Church. However, it says, what marks this profoundly religious attitude is that they see marriage as a cross indissolubly united to the cross of Christ. See this, beloved. Hear this, beloved. If you are planning to be married, hear this. 
What marks this profoundly religious attitude is that they see marriage as a cross, indissolubly united to the cross of Christ. This leads spouses to face their union without romanticism, without false expectations or illusions. Realistically, they know that in this valley of tears, everyone has defects. There is no mutual understanding without a mutual exercise of patience. This Catholic view of marriage is what prevents the incidence of divorce and separations. However, this attitude finds physical expression in a custom. Now listen to this. This attitude of being faithful in their marriage with all its crosses finds physical expression in a custom. During their married life, spouses find strength by praying together before the crucifix that they hold together during the religious wedding ceremony. Isn't that beautiful? In this ceremony, the priest blesses the crucifix presented by the bride and groom. He places the bride's right hand upon the crucifix, then that of the groom upon hers, and covers them with a stole. The couple then makes their vows with their hands clasping the crucifix. The priest tells them that they have found the ideal partner with whom they must share their lives with the following words, quote, You have found your cross. It is a cross that you must love and take with you every day of your lives. Know how to appreciate it. End quote. After kissing the cross, the spouses enthrone it in a place of honor in their homes, showing their profound belief that a family must be born of the cross. When trials, misunderstandings, disagreements, and difficulties come into all marriages arise, both spouses kneel before the crucifix and with unwavering faith ask for strength to endure them. For our Lord's yoke is easy and his burden light. This attitude is consistent with the belief that the cross will give them strength to overcome daily trials if they grounded their marriage on it. The spouses are keenly aware that if one abandons the other, they will abandon Christ. See that, beloved? They are keenly aware that if one spouse abandons another, they are abandoning Christ. Experience teaches that the source of perseverance through which they will gain eternal life can only come from the cross of Christ rather than any external factor. The children born of these strong unions learn from a tender age to venerate the family crucifix and direct their early prayers to the cross. Finally, it says, in this way, these Catholics learn to practice from an early age 
that which the immortal Portuguese author Louis de Camos, I I know I'm not pronouncing his name correctly, C-A-M-O-E-S, already celebrates with the words, quote, Thou who carefully looks for rest in this tempestuous sea of the world, do not expect to find any rest except in Jesus Christ crucified, end quote. Children thus acquire a consistent formation to face the vicissitudes of life with a supernatural spirit. Beloved, is this magnificent or what? I think I'm going to print this in our next newsletter, which we're right in the middle of writing. And then we'll send it out to everyone on our mailing list. And if you're not on our mailing list, all we do is send out three, four newsletters a year. It's, we never send out a fun. We don't raise funds. We don't do anything. We just put a little reply envelope with a card in our newsletter, which some people respond to once a year, some people monthly, some people never at all. We don't charge. It's never an issue for us. But you are welcome to receive our newsletter by email or by what we call snail mail, which we love people to get because we often put things within our our uh, the mail that goes through the post office, either a CD or a DVD or a booklet or holy cards or something we usually include. We always include something, even if it's just a holy card. And if you get it by email, you don't receive those things unless you ask for them. We'll put them right in the mail to you. Our website, www motherofisraelshope.org and we are the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope and our website is motherofisraelshope.org just click on newsletter and right up on the top of the screen you'll be able to sign up and you'll be able to choose snail mail, email or both it's not an issue for us whatever your preference is it's wonderful and you'll begin with the next newsletter which we're hoping is going to be mailed um, before the end of this month, so um, and you will receive a copy. So uh, I think I'm going to print this. This is just too amazing. It, I wish we would adopt this. I wish we would adopt this custom. You know what? I just thought when women enter religious life, it should be no different because they take vows. See, you you get engaged for a year or six months or whatever it is, and then you're in marriage vows. In religious life, you have eight years to make up your mind. You have eight years of discernment. In our community, you have a year of aspirancy, and then you have 11 months postulancy. And um, no, I, I had that wrong. One month, not a year. One month of aspirancy. It's almost like a very long, true come and see. One month aspirancy. You transition into the postulancy for 11 months. Then you're in a novitiate for two years. And then you take um, a triannual temporary vows for three. You renew them for two and then perpetual vows. It's eight years of formation. Um, But when you enter religious life, whether you're in the postulancy stage or novitiate or vows, um, it's not quite different than this. We take our vows with Christ on the cross, on the cross. And we trust that he has uh, brought us. We want to give our life to him. We want to become his spouse. And we trust that we're not fit, but we're called. And he makes us fit. And the only way for us to be transformed 
is through suffering. Why? Because we have to die to self, and self hates dying to self. Self loves self. It doesn't want to cast out self, and so it's painful to die to self. But we have to do that if we're ever going to give ourselves truly to the world and truly be spouses of Christ. It's, it's, it's very, very important. So um, um, I'm going to do that. I'm going to put that, the only divorce-free city in the world in Bosnia, I'm going to put this uh, in our newsletter because I think it's what everybody should adopt. Every single person should adopt, and they're almost 100% Catholic. And you say, well, if we lived in a Catholic community like that, uh, Catholics, it would be easy for us to be Catholic, no doubt. But the fact is that uh, there are Latin mass parishes where people don't necessarily live their faith, where husbands don't lay their life down for their wives, where wives are controlling and, and put their husbands down where children are not rightly taught the faith at home, where it's not always modest in clothing and in living, where the TV is corrupting the house and used as a babysitter. This is Latin parishes, where the more traditional Catholics are. I know this. I know this, beloved. And so we need, we can't use the expression, the excuse, rather, we're not in in a Catholic culture. Of course we're not. We're in the world, and we're supposed to be not of it. And there's plenty of good Catholic families to support us. But what if there's not? What if there's not? I often go to Bishop Athanasius Snyder's example of living under communism in in Russia and not having the Mass. I think it was three years. I could be wrong. No priest, nothing. And he was taught at home, and they lived the faith at home. That's it. I We grew up Jewish. We grew up, we didn't go grow up in a Jewish neighborhood. In fact, 90% of my Hebrew class was black, believe that or not. We had a, a great class of people. Why did they want to learn Hebrew? Why did the African-American race want to learn Hebrew? They didn't really. It was just fun for them because they didn't want to take German or French or whatever else was offered. It's really f- funny. But we lived in a pagan culture. And we were in the world and not of it. The world passed by with Easter parades. We didn't have a clue what that was. All of Christmas, we saw the decorations. We loved it. We loved the sense of warmth and love and gift-giving. We loved all that, but we didn't have a clue what it was. We didn't have a clue. But we lived our faith in our apartment on the 12th floor of an apartment building in Brooklyn. We knew who we were, and it didn't depend on the culture. We weren't jealous of the culture. We weren't attracted by the culture. We didn't want it. We didn't want it. We didn't think it was bad. We just didn't want it. We were separate. We knew who we were. And that's what it's going to take. That's what it's going to take for the home to be restored again, for marriage to be what God designed it to be. I think we should be coming up on a break pretty soon. Um... I'm not sure, but we are. We should be just about there. Um, uh, so I, I'm going to start something new. I want to wait till after the break, but I'll start it right now. Um, and it's a wonderful article that I found by Father John Harden. Let me just ask. Um, uh, the, let me just take one second, uh, and I'm going to. Uh, 
um, I'm going to type a message here. Okay, good. All right. Uh, this is a one. It's by Father John Harden. So anything by Father John Harden was um, uh, written about 20 years ago, and, and he has since died, and he is now venerable, and his cause is up for canonization. Um, and a magnificent holy priest of God. And again, the Vatican uh, commissioned him to go to India and teach Mother Teresa's order, the entire Catholic faith. And he wrote the catechism by Father John Harden in doing that. Tremendous. He has the uh, apostolate, the real presence um, on the website, and it's he formed the Marian Catechists, which are now all over the world, and he passed the baton to uh, Cardinal Raymond Burke, who is now their international um, uh, director. Um, and so uh, Father Hardin wrote many articles on marriage and the family. This one is Matrimony, the Sacrament of Fidelity and Procreation. The Sacrament of Fidelity and procreation. And today people are saying, I saw an article on the church where a bishop is a, a so-called theologian, uh, newly appointed to a position that he will disgrace by simply being in it because he does not believe what the church teaches. He's so-called a moral theologian. He's going to head the moral th theology of a Catholic university, which is, as of the hiring of him and others, is no longer Catholic, regardless of its history or its um, mission statement. It has just been destroyed overnight. And as far as this theologian is concerned, uh, contraception is acceptable in some cases, and same-sex unions um, can be a very good form of living out relationship. This is not Catholic. This is the devil getting in through so-called Catholics to destroy the church. Um, there's no such thing as a same-sex marriage. There is no such thing as same-sex union that is not on its way to hell. There is no such thing as same-sex union under God. No such thing. We recently had the reading of uh, Genesis of Abraham begging God to, so to spare Sodom and Gomorrah, and he said God was going to burn the whole city and destroy it. And Abraham said, but if there's 50 righteous, and God said, is there 50? I won't destroy it. Finally, get, Abraham got down to 10. But Lord, let me speak one more. I'm so sorry. Once more, what if there's 10? And God said, I won't destroy it if there's 10 righteous people. And God destroyed it because there were not even 10. If you're living in a same-sex union, you are part of the crowd of Sodom and Gomorrah that will be destroyed, that will be destroyed. Your only hope while you have breath is to repent and turn to God and be saved and turn from sin and live as God would enable you to live. If you are a priest or a bishop and you are okaying same-sex unions of any kind, homosexual unions of any kind, you too are with the crowd of Sodom and Gomorrah and you will burn. I'm not judging you. 
I'm telling you simply what God tells you. I can't tell you who you are. I see headlines of cardinals and bishops and priests who are okaying this homosexual uh, debauchery and nightmare and evil in the church. You are part of the Sodom and Gomorrah crowd, and you will be triply accountable for the souls you have led into hell. It's extremely serious, beloved. This is not something up for grabs. This is not a new teaching where the church has gotten in step with the culture. This is age-old sinfulness. This is nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. Um, two, th- no, 4,000 years ago, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, and he will destroy everyone today that dies in the uh, practice of homosexuality. Will God destroy them? Actually, they have chosen themselves to go into the lake of fire. Someone asked me the other day, if God is good, why does he send people to hell? God does not send people to hell. We send ourselves to hell. There's two places to live eternity, heaven or hell. One is with God, one is without God. And God gives us every opportunity to repent and be with him. As long as we have breath, we can repent. But if we don't, we have chosen to dismiss God and to turn from him. And you say, I haven't chosen hell. Oh, yes, you have. If you turn from God, there's no other option for you. There's no other option. And if you don't want hell, you need to repent and come back to God. There is the music for our break, beloved. We'll be right back after the break. Again, you won't be able to call in today. It's a pre-recorded program, but we will be with you soon right after the break. Don't go away, beloved. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. 
from every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. I'm so happy to be back with you on this pre-recorded, not an encore, a fresh new program, but pre-recorded just before I took off uh, for the East Coast to be uh, with LifeSite News in their annual conference. So all of us are together today, Station of the Cross, LifeSite News, me, um, and then... um, and then you from your end, but you simply won't be able to call in or text. Um, but this is a brand new program, and we began the program by discussing a remarkable article that I read, the only divorce-free city in the world. It's a city in Bosnia, and it's just remarkable. And I mentioned I'm going to put it in our next newsletter so that all of you can have it and read it, um, and especially Um, those in charge of marriage prep for your church, or really it it should be for bishops to to really help marriages in their church. Most marriage preparation today is is just awful. It's barely Christian, let alone Catholic. Um, I've printed out this article by Father John Harden, um, and again, he... uh, is up for canonization now, so he's venerable. And whatever I read is he's written about 20 years ago, and he's just absolutely outstanding. And this article is titled Matrimony, the the Sacrament of Fidelity and Procreation. And it says this, all of the seven sacraments, of all of the seven sacraments, matrimony has been the most widely challenged in the history of the Catholic Church. It has also been the main cause of disunity in Christianity. Now, how much is two and two? Yes, it's four. There's no mystery. And there's no mystery here that matrimony has been the most widely challenged in the history of the Catholic Church, and it's the main cause of disunity in Christianity. Why do you think that's so? Because the devil's doing his job. That's why. That's why. Someone once said the devil's disciples, the demons, always do the work of their father. You see, their father, Satan, who is the father of lies. Father Harden goes on to write, We know this, that... um, Uh, matrimony has been the main cause of disunity in Christianity. He says, we know this from the classic narrative described by St. Matthew when some Pharisees came to Jesus by asking, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for any cause? 
Why did they ask that? Because Moses put away, taught that you could put away your wife uh, for adultery. Moses taught that. Why did they Why did they ask Jesus about it? Because he said, what God has joined, let no man put asunder. You can't touch what God has. The two have become one. You can't make them two again. And so they said, what about for any cause? And Jesus said, you, have you not read that the creator from the beginning made the male and female, not two males, not two females, male and female, and said, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Therefore, now they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder the words of our Lord himself. And so they said to him, the Pharisees, well, why then did Moses command to give a written notice of dismissal and to put her away? Jesus said, he said, because Moses, by reason of the hardness of your heart, permitted you to put away your wives, but it was not so from the beginning. And I say to you that whoever puts away his wife, except for immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. And he who marries a woman who has been put away commits adultery. Why? Because if you marry a man or a woman who's been put away from their marriage, you are marrying a married man or woman, and you're committing adultery. But they've got a divorce. There's no such thing as divorce in the Catholic Church. What do you mean there's no such thing as divorce? There's no such thing. The Catholic Church has nothing to do with divorce. It, the civil union has, civil law has divorce, but not the Catholic Church. The only thing the Catholic Church uh, has is a process of nullity to apply for an annulment. And to apply for annulment is not to break up a marriage. No marriage that is valid in the Church's eyes could ever be broken up. No such thing. An annulment means that a um, investigation is done into the lives of the husband and wife at the time of their marriage. Under what circumstances did they marry? Why did they marry? Who was involved? All of that. And again, if it could be shown that um, neither spouse was Catholic, Neither one intended to raise the children Catholic, even if they were married in a Catholic church. In other words, the marriage was a lie. Uh, they didn't intend to not contracept, all of this. They didn't intend to be open to life. If it could be shown, it would also be shown at the same time that the marriage never took place. For the church to issue a degree of nullity, it means the marriage was null and void from the beginning. It's not now all of a sudden it's null. It means it never, ever took place in the eyes of God. It was legitimate in the eyes of the law, but in the eyes of God, it was never a marriage. It was never a sacrament. You see? Because if it was, no degree of nullity can be issued. The church cannot declare, the church cannot separate what God has done. If it's a valid marriage, the end of the story. And if the couple wants to separate, they're free to do that, but they're not free to marry, and they're not free to date. 
In the Gospel of St. Mark, Christ declares that the same law applies to women. Jesus says, if the wife puts away her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. This is not one-sided. And I'm going to tell you, men and women, if you are looking to separate your marriage, if you are looking to file for annulment, and either one of you dates someone else, while the annulment's in process, you are committing adultery. You have no right to be with another man or woman. No right until the church makes a judgment on your marriage. You are committing adultery. No married man has a right to put his hand on another woman. And if he's dating her, he's going to hug her or kiss her, even if it's um, proper. No, you are committing adultery. Live your life holy before God. W-H-O-L-L-Y and H-O-L-Y. Holy and holy before God. Otherwise, you are turning from God. Uh, there's the break music, beloved. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful, full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at faithfulinsight.com and may God bless you. A while back, I had a nice little chat with some Jehovah Witness ladies, and they tried to justify their claim to be Christian by saying the early Christians didn't believe Jesus was God. Is this true? Well, of course not. Let me share a few examples. Take John 1.1, where John describes Jesus as the Word and writes the Word was God. Now, in order to get around this, the JWs translate the phrase as the Word was a God. But this is based on a misunderstanding of Greek grammar. Consider also Colossians 2.9, where St. Paul writes, For in him, that is Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In 1 Corinthians 8.6, Paul describes Jesus as the one through whom we exist. Isn't God the one ultimately responsible for the existence of things? So, contrary to what the JWs think, to be Christian, you must believe Jesus is God. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back, beloved. It's good to be with you on Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment uh, for our program today together, and we're thrilled. And as we've been mentioning, it's pre-recorded for you. It's live. It's uh, being pre-recorded live. How do you say that? And it's uh, fresh uh, because I'm on the East Coast today um, with uh, LifeSite News and their whole uh, international staff. And so Station of the Cross and um, LifeSite News and uh, me, we're all together coming to you today, but uh, you're not able to call in today, but uh, you will be um, as soon as I get back. So we've been talking about the greatest institution God ever established, and it began with Adam and Eve, and he told them to come together and procreate the earth, and that was the purpose of marriage, to build the kingdom, to procreate the earth, to come together in life giving love. Any other love is illegitimate. Any other love is selfish and sinful. Life-giving love. That's why contraception is against, it's contra, it's against life-giving love. It's against love, it's against anything that will give life. And so, um, I've been looking at an article written by Father John Harden titled Sacrament of Matrimony, the Sacrament of Fidelity and Procreation. And to continue with that article, Father Harden writes, over the centuries, this has been the single principal cause of whole nations, that matrimony issue, and whether or not one can get divorced without committing adultery. Over the centuries, This has been the single principal cause of whole nations breaking with the Catholic Church. In the 13th century, the Orthodox Churches broke with Rome over this issue. In the 16th century, it was the main reason for the rise of Protestantism. You see, that is why Father Hardin goes on. The Council of Trent condemned the following proposition as heresy. Here's the proposition. If anyone says that the church, that's the Catholic church, is in error for having taught, and this is way before, um, uh, well, it's not way before the Reformation, but when when people spoke of the church, they meant the Catholic church, the universal church, the, the one church. If anyone says that the church is in error for having taught and for still teaching, that in accordance with the evangelical and apostolic doctrine, the marriage bond cannot be dissolved because of adultery on the part of one of the spouses, and that neither of the two, not even the innocent one who has given no cause for infidelity, can contract another marriage during the lifetime of the other, and that the husband who dismisses an adulterous wife and marries again, and the wife who dismisses an adulterous husband and marries again are both guilty of adultery. Let him be anathema. Okay, here. Um, This is condemned. What I just read is condemned. It says, if because this is what the church teaches, and Protestantism condemned it. Protestantism made this statement, and it's what the church condemns. So let me read the statement that's in error. It says, 
if anyone says that the church, Catholic Church is in error for having taught and for still teaching that in accordance with the evangelical and apostolic doctrine, the marriage bond can, cannot be dissolved because of adultery on the part of one of the spouses. Now, if anyone says the church is in error for having taught that the um, marriage bond cannot be dissolved because of adultery on the part of the spouses, if the church is in error because it teaches they cannot be dissolved, let them be uh, accursed. Oh, you know, I'm confusing myself here. Um, or that a husband who dismisses his wife, an adulterous wife, marries again, and the wife who dismisses an adulterous husband marries again, are both guilty of adultery. Let him be anathema. In other words, the church is teaching that they are, um, they are cursed. They are anathema. If a man divorces his wife and marries another woman, he's committing adultery. If a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she's committing adultery. And this statement is saying that's anathema. That's incorrect. The church is wrong. But even if open, obviously, even if open adultery cannot justify divorce and remarriage, which it cannot, then no other grounds for dissolving a Christian marriage are recognized by the Catholic Church. I probably just gave us great confusion in the way I read that, because what it was saying is that if anyone says the teaching of the Catholic Church, which has always been the same, um, uh, is wrong, let them be anathema. That's what it is. Um, And in a subtitle here, Father Hardin speaks of Christ elevating marriage. Until God became man in the person of Jesus Christ, no religion forbade divorce and and remarriage. Um, For that matter, every religion, even Judaism, not only allowed married people to leave their spouse, but even practiced polygamy. All right, now you go back into the Old Testament. Not only did Moses allow divorce um, for um, uh, infidelity, but there was uh, polygamy. David had, King David and others had many wives. That is why after Christ told the Pharisees that remarriage was forbidden, the disciples said to him, if the case of a man with his wife is so, it is not expedient to marry, because until then, remember, Jesus was born under the old law, not the new. The new law wasn't enacted until his resurrection in heaven was open. So he was under the law, old law, and the old law permitted um, a man to divorce his wife. And now Jesus saying, uh, you cannot, you cannot, marriage is forbidden, and the disciple said to him, Oy vey, oy vey, if that's the case, and I can't marry somebody else, uh, it's better not to marry. Well, that's true, unless you're going to be faithful. What Jesus, what did Jesus, what did Jesus, I'm sorry for that uh, stumbling there, Father Harden is writing this. What did Jesus Christ do when he told his followers they not only may not, they cannot 
divorce and remarry. He was restoring marriage to its original state before the fall of our first parents. You see, he was not bringing in anything new. During the whole Old Testament time, he allowed for the fall of man. He allowed for the fall of man. The um, There were no such thing as Old Testament sacraments. A sacrament uh, gives one the grace of God to live the faith. There were no sacraments. There were signs in the Old Testament, and God would give grace for obedience and all of that, but it wasn't a life-changing grace. It wasn't until the outpouring of the Holy Spirit uh, at Pentecost that God gave the Jewish people the indwelling Holy Spirit that will enable them to live out the law that God gave them. We must say that Christ had no choice. Having restored the state of marriage to its condition before the fall of the human race, when husband and wife are to be two, and only two in one flesh, Jesus had to provide the supernatural means necessary to live out this humanly impossible command, two fallen human beings becoming one, trying to live together. Difficult is a mild word. Impossible is the word. But nothing's impossible for God, which is why Bishop Fulton Sheen wrote his book, Three to Get Married. Apart from Christ and the sacrament of marriage, it's impossible. He did so, Jesus did so, by instituting the sacrament of marriage, the sacrament of matrimony. The Catholic Church believes that when marriage is between two baptized persons, it is always a sacrament. Christ himself instituted this sacrament during his visible stay on earth. Consequently, it was not merely introduced into the church by human authority. No, Christ gave all the sacraments, beloved. The preferred name for the sacrament of marriage is matrimony. However, matrimony is not only a contract between husband and wife. In other contracts, two or more persons can agree on a course of action, and there the matter may end. Not so with Christian marriage. The marrying partners not only agree to take each other as husband and wife, but also to continue taking each other until death to begin to live with one another in the most intimate union possible between two people and to share their respective lives with one another. Nor is that all. They also agree to accept whatever children God may send them by forming a family. Did you hear that? They agree to accept what other ch- whatever children God may send them. They don't tell God what to do. They don't plan how many children they will have. They don't shut God out. They are open to life-giving love with nothing in the way, not, no contraception, only conception with God, not against him. And it's up to God. But we don't have enough money. That's not for you to determine. It's God who provides. But we have this 
uh, problem and that problem. You stay open to life, and God will lead you. God will lead you. Um, You have vowed in the marriage vow to get one another to heaven. That's your vocation. Not to have a house and three cars and send your children to college and do all that. Those are terrific goals. Nothing wrong with them. Nothing sinful. But nothing comes before loving one another, being formed in the faith, and getting each one to heaven, and then raising your children in the faith. And the only way your children will be raised in the faith is by your example. The only way they will learn love is by seeing love between their mother and father, which is why Archbishop Chapu, now of Philadelphia, said that the greatest gift a father could give his children is to love their mother. And uh, the converse, the only way that a mother can truly love her children is by loving their father, because children learn what they see. If they see love, they'll learn love, and they'll feel love, and they'll feel secure. I've been in homes, Catholic homes, where women will put down the father left and right and dote on the children and give them everything they want. That's not love. You are destroying your children and your husband and your family. And I've seen men um, be abusive and put down their wives in front of the children and not be true fathers and be lords and be uh, terror, terrors in their home. You are destroying your children. You are destroying your marriage. You are destroying your wife and yourself. The vocation a husband has is that vocation of being prophet, priest, and king to his family, being the head of the house, not in giving orders, but laying down his life for them as Christ laid down his life for the church. You are to be Christ. The the woman your wife is to submit to you. She is to submit to a man that will lay down his life to her as Christ did the church. Women, part of the fall is your natural, sinful tendency to take control. You are using the gifts God has given you to nurture, to multitask, to be focused on many little petty things. That's a good gift. But if you use it in the wrong way to control the house, to control your husband, to be angry, uh, to disrespect him. You are taking the gifts God has given you and you've given them into the hands of Satan to use to destroy. A good gift not used in the power of the Holy Spirit becomes evil and at the very least sinful and destructive. So these are hard things, beloved, but if we don't get them, we'll never learn to restore the family and get our family to heaven. God bless you, beloved, and we'll be with you tomorrow.